All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, you know, when we said that we were going to talk about our trip to, to uh, Guatemala, our kids were a little bit nervous. They were thinking, you know, you've talked about this many times. Aren't people going to get bored? Well, I hope that's not the case, and we'll try and keep it interesting. But I am going to start out by giving a little bit of a summary of broad strokes what we were doing down there. Um, there are just over 50% of the population of Guatemala is Mayan, and the Mayan people are really overrepresented in the poverty statistics. Um, most of them live on very, very little. And you know, the, the, the term cycle of poverty has become a cliche in our culture. For them, it's, it's a reality. And for the next generation, there's very, very little they can do to break the cycle of you know, poverty, hopelessness, and deprivation unless they can find some way out. And so a local couple started a program that each year identifies a few students in the local communities who want to learn, they want to pursue their education. Uh, this is difficult for most uh, students because it's not part of their culture and it costs money. And for most families, Mayan families, they're saying, why would we spend money? We have nothing. Why would we spend it on school? Um, that's, not, that's not who we are. But for the students who have the drive to learn, the intelligence to succeed and, and the grit to attain their goals, um, some of them are, are awarded scholarships and become part of this program that this couple has started. And what that means is they get their high school paid for, they get um, additional uh, encouragement, support, and, uh, and tutorials on weekends, giving them additional training. And then every year, the, the highlight in November and December is an immersion immersive English experience called English House, where teachers from North America come down and um, teach English to these students. And that's what we were part of this past year, and, and we have for the last three years been part of it, is, is the English House experience. Now I'm gonna back up to last summer. Last summer in August, uh, we, were, we were camping with two other couples that are also involved in English House. Uh, Dave and Danea from Abbotsford, and Chris and Laura, who some of you might know from, they're from Kelowna, and they used to be part of our church a number of years ago. And of course, we were talking a lot about what's going to happen this year with the COVID restrictions, because in Guatemala at the time, the airport was closed, nobody was, was coming in, and there were pretty severe restrictions in place. Now, for Dave and Danea, they are a little bit more flexible than the rest of us. Their kids are all homeschooled and they said, well, if, it, if things open up, we, we would be ready to go. For Chris and Laura, they said, you know, Laura, Laura works for Interior Health and she needs to know well in advance when her vacation, her time off is gonna be. And, and they decided it's not looking good. We have to book something. And so they made plans that did not include English House. For us, little more complicated. Our main obstacle really uh, was our son Lucas who in grade 11 can't afford to take six weeks off of school and you know if he wants to get into university of course his his grades matter and so we didn't know how that would work with him but we were open to the idea if God opens the doors then then we'll go um, and you know things weren't looking good until all of a sudden things started to change in September we got a call that, yes, Guatemala is opening up their country. They, um, <clears throat> they're opening up the airport, they're letting people in, 
and they recognize that the, the shutdown has not been good for society. Perhaps the shutdown was worse for people than the actual virus and they, they were changing course. So that was encouraging. But what about Lucas? Well, for those of you who don't have kids or maybe aren't plugged into our school system, you might not realize how strange the school year has been. Uh, our high school, uh, LV Rogers, went to a system <clears throat> whereby students have one course for five weeks in a row. And the idea there is to, is to limit the amount of students that they have contact with so to, to minimize any potential spread of COVID. Now, uh, that might cause a lot of issues academically and socially and whatnot, but the fact is it worked absolutely perfectly for us. We were able to schedule a spare. Lucas had a spare this year. We were able to schedule it exactly during the time that English House happens. And so God put the pieces in place. This was going to happen. So we started booking our tickets and we started getting excited and it wasn't without hiccups. We had to fly through Florida to get a COVID test on the way down, but the long and the short of it is we got there as planned for the first day on November 7th. Now on arrival in Guatemala, obviously things were a little bit different. In the world of COVID, you have to take precautions that you wouldn't normally take. And obviously our top priority was making sure that we didn't get COVID in the group for, for a few reasons. One is that would shut down our program, but more importantly than that, we didn't want students to bring COVID back to their families or parents or grandparents who would be especially vulnerable. And so we had to make some changes. And one of the changes was, well, the main change was that normally students would stay with us during the week and then go home on weekends. And we decided that that was just too risky. So this year we kept the students at the English House facility for, for every day for the weekends and the weeks for the whole six weeks. And the idea was to maintain a bubble whereby we would limit the number of people who came in and we would really restrict the contact we had with people on the outside when we left the facility. And, you know, in the end, God protected us. No one got sick. There were no positive cases in the group. Um, and God said, yeah, I want this program to continue. So we were really, really thankful for that. And it turned out to be a, a, a fantastic six weeks. It was so good to spend the weekends with the students. It was also really, really intense. Um, you know, without the weekend breaks, you're on every day from when you wake up until you go to bed. You're spending time with the kids, you're teaching, you're planning, you're playing soccer or games or praying, eating. It's, it's always with students. If you can imagine six weeks straight of summer camp, that's pretty much what it was like without any days off. Now, it was tiring, but amazingly rewarding. Um, there were too many experiences to tell, uh, but Sue and I would like to each of us share um, one of our highlights with you, uh, one of the things that really stuck in our minds. For me, the, the, the highlight was that with spending the extra time with the students, we were able to develop a level of trust and um, confidence uh, between us, and they were able to know us better and confide in us some of the, the, the difficult parts of their life, give us connections with them um, that, that we might not have gotten otherwise if, um, if we were only there for, for during the week. 
One conversation in particular stands out for me. One of the brightest students that we have, her name is Jocelyn, and she's in grade 10, and her dream is to be a teacher. Now, truthfully, I, I didn't think that was a very good idea. Uh, most of her classmates want to be lawyers or doctors or uh, engineers because, you know, they, they pay better. And these are people who need money to pull them out of poverty. Being a teacher isn't a well-paid job in Guatemala. And so one evening when we were chatting, I said to her, Yoslin, um, are you sure you want to teach? You know, you have the potential to do anything you want. Um, are, are you sure that's the career path you want? And instead of answering me directly, she, she told me a story. She said, last year, at the beginning of January, I wanted to teach the students, or the, the children, in my neighborhood. And so I put up a sign at the end of my, uh, my yard saying, anybody, any kids who want to come and take classes with me uh, can, can come here next Sunday and, and uh, we can start classes. I, I didn't know how many students would come. I was really nervous about it, but... On the first day, 30 kids showed up. Now, a few of them dropped out, but I had 25 students for four months until, until COVID shut us down. We had 15 in the morning, 10 in the afternoon. <clears throat> I taught them English and social studies and, and writing and Spanish and singing and games, and I loved it. I asked her some more questions. It, it turns out she did this along with all her own homework, going to school, along with all the chores she had to do in her family, including uh, walking her little sister to her own school and back every day, which took 30 minutes each way. Um, she had to do that because in that area, kids can get kidnapped walking along that road and she was too little to go by herself. To free up time to teach, she, she made an arrangement with her other sister that she would do her sister's cleaning chores if her sister would take care of her babysitting duties on the days when Yoselin wanted to teach. And then on weekends, she would get up at 5 a.m. With her, with her mother and they would make chicharines, which is this little snack to sell in the market. So she had enough money to buy pencils and paper for the students who were coming in because they had nothing. When it wasn't raining, she'd pull her kitchen table out into the yard and the students would sit on firewood to do their lessons. Um, they had to take turns, but they, they did that, and when it was raining, they would all crowd inside where there was hardly enough room to stand, but they wanted to be there for the lessons. She loved it. She was beaming when she told me this story. She told me her dreams of one day starting a school in her community where the, stu the students didn't have to walk so far to go to school. She told me about her dreams of, of focusing especially on special needs kids because they needed extra love and care, and she has a heart to help them. She didn't do this for recognition. We talked for about three hours and, and near the end she said to me quietly, you know, I haven't told anybody else about this. I, I'm not even sure why I'm telling you. It's just something I love to do. So I realized that, yeah, she's a teacher and, and maybe she won't make as much money as some of the other students, but she's changing a small piece of this world that I think will make the angels rejoice. That evening, I caught the, a glimpse of a soul that's a bright spark of light in a place that can be pretty dark.
everyone. I would like to share with you some of um, my highlights too. I, I first of all want to tell you how very much we really appreciated and felt your prayers while we were there. Um, because as Kevin said, um, it, it was, it did feel like, oh my goodness, what are we going in for six weeks on? But in truth, God carried us every step of the way. And uh, kids and all, um, our kids and all, we, we really did feel your prayers and as a result, God's support and blessing on the six weeks. And so because of the weekends we had, we had some opportunities to do some fun things with, with the kids that we didn't always have in the years past. One of them was taking them out on a boat trip, which although many of them look at the lake from their house, they'd never actually been on it. So that was kind of neat for them. Another highlight was taking them on a hike up uh, an active volcano. And we got to stand beside um, uh, a river of lava, basically. And they were all so excited to get home to tell their families all about this experience that was unforgettable for them. But one of my very favorites was a weekend that we called Freedom Weekend. And um, where we basically took 24 of the oldest girls and we got to spend the weekend with them. And the intro to this is kind of that um, in my English classes that I was teaching every day, there was one girl that always looked back at me with such sad eyes. And then depending on what we might talk about, she might start to tear up a little. And my heart just ached for her and for all the other kids who have had such painful experiences because there's so many of them down there. And um, the opportunity came to have this weekend that we called Freedom Weekend for them. And um, so I was just so thankful to God that we could do that. And um, so the material that we presented was largely based on Freedom Session, which um, Jan Vancasil is leading right now here at church and which has been such a blessing for me um, because three years ago, God used that program to heal me of a long time, a lack of sleep issue that I had. And so I just felt really honored to be able to pass that on to, the, to my new friends in Guatemala. And um, so there was three of us women that were involved, the lady who has the program, like the Guatemalan lady who um, organizes the program year-round, and then Denea, who Kevin talked about. Um, she and her husband Dave started the program, and myself. And it was translated by Angela, who is one of the girls who's coming to live with us this spring. So I was really thrilled with all the complicated words that she was able to translate, and um, I'm excited for her being able to learn more when she comes to Canada. So I'd like to share two verses with you. First of all, John 10, verse 10, which says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so when I was thinking about this girl who was staring back at me with the sad eyes, I, I was excited to know that she couldn't just have a mediocre life being healed from her painful experiences, but she could have life from the full, for the, uh, sorry, life, um, have life to the full. Um, so that's John 10, verse 10. And the other verse I'd like to share with you is Galatians 
5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And we know that that's what the devil tries to do to us all the time, is yoke us into slavery. And so um, this was an opportunity for um, these girls to take a step in that direction of freedom. And um, so what we talked about in the session was we went through the stages of grief um, and what happens when we get stuck in any of them. For example, if we stay in denial or if we stay in anger and it turns to bitterness. Um, we talked about the things that we turn to to escape pain or avoid conflict. And it was really neat to see some of their eyes opened up to what they do and the impact that it has or the reason that they do it. Because for teenagers, some of these things are you know, novel um, ideas for them. We talked about the negative messages we hear in our heads and the conclusions that we make about ourselves as a result of these messages. We took a strengths inventory and we wrote down actions that we've taken to benefit other people and we got to rejoice over those. Then we took an inventory of the different hurts that we have experienced in our lives and we actually wrote down a description of these experiences, which for many of the girls was very, very difficult. Then we took an inventory of how we have hurt other people because hurt people turn around and hurt other people. They don't mean to, they don't want to, but unless they're healed, it's what we do. So then because Christ has forgiven us, we were able to forgive ourselves for the hurt that we've caused other people. And where reasonable, we committed to apologizing to those people involved, and we also committed to making changes in our lives um, it with our behaviors uh, toward other people. And that was really exciting to see these t teenagers commit to these things because they've got their lives in front of them. And then we forgave those who hurt us, which was very difficult for many of the girls. And we broke the soul ties that may have been established through sexual intimacy, particularly rape, which is really prevalent there. We also broke any curses that we knew of over our lives, and the concept of curses is also very common there from birth. And lastly, we exchanged the lies that we've come to believe about ourselves for God's truth about who we truly are. And that was an amazing experience to me. I was not expecting what happened. Um, we wrote on a whiteboard uh, the, the things that had been spoken over these girls, mostly by their families, um, because girls are not highly valued there. Uh, they have been told things like, I wish you were never born. I wish you were a boy. Those kinds of things. And they're very hurtful, especially when they're told to them every day. And so they wrote down all the things that had been spoken to them, and we burned them in a chimney, and we traded them for what the Bible says who about God, uh, that God says who about who we are. And... I couldn't believe the tears and how long this process took because it was just so, I don't know, overwhelming for them. And I was really thankful to see it. And so then we were able to share stories with each other and um, we were able to walk in freedom after that. And it was really exciting to see. It was really exciting to see when I looked at this same girl in my classes afterwards to see that her eyes were different 
And it was really exciting to see um, the stories that they were able to tell me afterwards about what they'd experienced. So that came about, I think, because of COVID and the fact that we had a chance to spend weekends with the kids. I'm going to give you back your Bible here. One question I've been asked since we, since we returned is what did you learn about God when you were in Guatemala? There are a few things, but one thing that stands out for me is how I, I read the Bible. That might sound like a strange thing, but I, I, I don't know about you, but I think many, many of us, certainly I do, have a certain basket of verses that we think of in certain situations. For example, in times of difficulty, when we need encouragement, when we're going through a hard time, there's certain verses that we gravitate to. Maybe we've got them written in the back of our Bible. Maybe we just remember them. And some of the verses for me that come to mind are Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And, and Romans 8, 28 we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. And 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And you know, it's good and it's right and it's proper to go to the Bible for encouragement and support when we need it. And, you know, over the past 10 months, many of us have needed it. But there is a danger that we take these, these verses and we put them into the category of useful when times are bad. Because these verses aren't just meant for when times are bad. They're also true all the time. And God opened my eyes to that through our experiences this year. And he shed light on the fact that, no, these are, these are eternal truths that can be applied anytime. I, I'll give you some examples. My ways are not your ways. In August when we were camping, things were looking pretty dim. <clears throat> Guatemala was close to flights. Traveling anywhere was extremely difficult and of course with the issue of our school, it, it made things look pretty impossible. We had no idea how things were going to turn out. Who would have thought that God would lift the restrictions on Guatemala right at the right time? And who would have thought that our school, as far as I know, the only one in the whole province would come up with this hairball idea that no one can see any benefit to except it worked so perfectly for us? Who would have thought that was possible? No one could have planned that. But God says, my ways are not your ways. How about the second one? All things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I have gone to this verse many times <clears throat> in difficult situations and it's, it is a good verse to remember in bad times. But one of the hard things about it is we can't see, or, or so often we can't see the good that comes out of the bad. God says all things work together for good, but so often we don't see it. Many years ago, um, I, I lost a brother in a plane accident. And, you know, I, I 
remember thinking about this verse and thinking, I wish I could see three people come to know Jesus because of this. I didn't see that. I saw the hard part, you know, leaving a, a, a wife and two little girls without a father. That was the hard part. I didn't see the good. But this year, we saw some of the good that comes from those hard times. You know, several of our graduate students who had come through the program in years gone by were instrumental in um, supporting their communities during the worst of the COVID lockdowns. It was really, really bad in Guatemala when there was strict curfews and, and restrictions on movement. And if you were over 60, you were not allowed out of your home. It was, people were hungry, they were starving. Uh, one, one person in particular, her name is Evelyn. She's a girl that came through horrible events when she was younger. And, and um, she came through our, our program and she has now got a decent job working <coughs> for a company in, in Antigua in Guatemala. With her salary, she was supporting 27 people during the worst of the COVID crisis. Her immediate family, extended family, even some neighbors. And in her spare time, she started a women's cooperative where local women in the community would hand make handbags <coughs> and she would market them over Facebook to clients in, in the capital. She would be the first to tell you that it was through those terrible times in her life that God gave her the confidence and the faith to grow into the woman she is now. That was a chance for us to see the good that comes from the bad. Lastly, the verse, give thanks in all circumstances. Again, this is a great verse for when you're having difficult, difficult situations. Thankfulness is, is key to, to our, our processing life's difficulties in a healthy way. And, and it's true that good things are all coming from God. But it's equally true in good times to raise our, God, raise our hands and praise God. Because to forget to do that is to, and to miss out on turning our joy into praise is, is to our detriment. When we turn our eyes to him in good times, it makes it that much sweeter. I thought of this one afternoon on a day that was very special to us. As Sue mentioned, we, we rented a large boat um, one, one Saturday afternoon and went out in the lake. This was a seriously large boat. We had about 75 people on there and it was dirt cheap because no one's renting boats out in Guatemala right now. And we went, uh, we cruised over to a beach and swam for a few hours and we had takeout pizza and we cruised along the shoreline underneath the shadow of the three big volcanoes around the lake. And as we were heading back, you know, the sun was setting, everybody was really tired and, um, you know, just kind of relaxing and enjoying the end of a nice day. One of our local leaders came, came and gave me her cell phone and, and there was an email on there and she said, can, can you read this? And it was uh, an email from the government of Canada saying that our, our two girls, Angela and Tomasa, were granted student visas to come to Canada. Some of you might recall that we've been trying to bring these two girls to live with us to study at, at uh, Selkirk College and we applied for a visa over a year ago and we heard nothing. And then on that boat ride, we got the response we had been hoping for. The perfect day just became that much better and there were tears of joy and celebration and excitement. 
and we thank God because all things mean the good times too. And that made it all that much sweeter. So we came home this year with some excitement that Angela and Tomasa are coming. In fact, if you're listening to this on Sunday, they are arriving in the Vancouver airport tonight. They're going to be living in Abbotsford for a few months, and then before they start school in April, they'll be coming out to Nelson and uh, making their home with us. So our whole family is really excited about this. We don't have it all figured out. Transportation, food preferences, family dynamics. We will have to trust in God. And we're, we're still working on, on raising funds to pay for the tuition. Our church has generously helped us by setting aside money for, for the girls and some individuals have come forward. Uh, we still have a ways to go, so if that's something you're interested in being a part of, um, yeah, give Sue or me a call and we can tell you more. I'm going to close with about a five or seven minute video that gives you a taste of English House and of the students we know and we love. It's set to the music, uh, uh, it's set to the song Waymaker, which I believe we was part of our service last week or the week before. And the words of this song are so perfect for the year we just described, we just experienced. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Thanks for listening. <laughs>